He smiles as he sees her and says, It didn't go well? Not exactly. What happened? It exploded. Welcome to League of Lore, a podcast about the lore of League of Legends and other properties set in the Runeterran universe. I'm your host Jacob, or Skullhold Soldiers, and let's get into it. Now, we are finally going to be talking about another region outside of Demacia. In particular, we're going to be talking about the region that the show Arcane on Netflix covers, which is Piltover and Zaun. Now, before I start getting into the nitty-gritty origins and background of this region that we'll be covering today, I want to, first off, let you all know this is not the Piltover and Zaun you think of when you think of it now because of Arcane. It is a very different region from what Arcane really shows. There are a lot of similarities visually and even culturally. There are a lot of similarities between the two. But some of the historical events, some of the major characters, and some of just the general vibe, essentially, of Pilter and Zon are going to be a little bit different than what you expect from Arcane. Some are going to be similar, like there's still a big aspect of class conflict in Pilter and Zon, just like in Arcane. Uh, some characters are still have similar dynamics, such as Caitlyn, Vi, and Jinx, and, uh, and some have very different dynamics you can be expect, such as Jace and Victor. But the whole idea behind this is to just give you guys a heads up that it's not going to be what you expect in Arcane. So there will be times where I try to make an example of what the differences are so that you are aware of them. But I'm going to be focusing on what currently is in the main canon of the League of Legends universe, what Piltover and Zaun are. If later down the road, uh, Arcane's lore and canon become more integrated and more established in the main canon, I will bring that up, but until then we'll have to treat them as separate for now. But with that, let's get right into the origin of Piltover and Zaun. Originally, there was no Piltover and Zaun. There is a single merchant city named Kazun. Now, Kazun was uh, resided where the two continents of Shirima and Valoran nearly met. It was right along this little divide point, this little point, where it was right there in between the two of them. Because there's like this little path of, of rock essentially connecting the two continents. And that is where Kazun was located. Well, one day, the Shiriman Empire, as it was expanding outwards from the deserts of Shirima, which weren't fully deserts at that time, they began to look at conquering these little merchant cities that that were on the coastline of Shrima and some that were closer to Valoran. And so they decided to take over Kazun. It's unclear if they conquered it through military force or they simply annexed it through diplomatic means. The point is Kazun was eventually taken over by the Shreeman Empire and therefore its name was changed. It is no longer Kazun, it is now Oshavazan. We'll get into where that comes in. Now, Oshavazan became this well-known, very wealthy merchant city, city that uh, 
thrived even well after the fall of the Sriman Empire that we will cover at a later date when that event happens. But it, it continued on as Oshavazan until one day they decided that if they were going to make even more money and become a true cultural and economic center between these two continents, then they need to create a canal that would connect the two sea, the two oceans on either side of the continents. Because where they reside was like basically right in the middle. And if they made a pathway between those two oceans, it would allow easier trade between the eastern side of Valoran and Shirima, and also Ionia and the Serpent Isles, between to the left to the western side of Valoran and Shirima. And so they decided they were going to make this canal by using experimental explosives essentially not that far away from the city. They they began mining and then like decided we'll use these explosives to just blow up the path that we will then create the canal through. Well, unfortunately for them, these explosives were a little too effective and it caused the creation of various fissures and canyons and fully collapsed half of Osha Vazan. This half of Osha Vazan would have been uh, swallowed up by, not necessarily the ocean, fortunately, it didn't collapse right into where the waters were pouring through, but it did collapse down into where a lot of toxic fumes and chemicals were pouring in from the use of the explosives as well as other mining equipment. But before the populace that survived the collapse were could have been killed by this, they were saved by the intervention of a of a spirit slash goddess. It's a bit unclear like what the category would be for her, but uh, a, a spirit slash goddess named Janna, who used to be a who was primarily a spirit of the winds, who the sailors who would try to sail around Shirima or Valoran to do their trading before the canal was created, would pray to. But in this moment, uh, she was nearby because merchants were all the time coming through to trade at the trade city, as the little merchant city of Shavazan. And because of that, she was there, and the people of, of Oshavazan that survived the collapse prayed for her intervention because a lot of them would have known about her from the merchants, from the merchant vessels, and therefore she came in, intervened, and blew away the toxic wind, the toxic air and chemicals before they could really cause a lot of harm, and probably even prevented the water from crashing down into them as well. And with that, uh, they survived, and so the people of Oshifazan survived this catastrophe and discontinued on. With this, eventually, it led to these two halves of Oshavazan becoming two separate cultures and societies. The upper portion of Oshavazan, the one that uh, that did not collapse down into the fissures and canyons, became known as Piltover, being named after the fact that they were over a nearby river called the Pilt, and therefore they were Pilt over. Meanwhile, the people down in the collapsed portion began to, uh, because where they where they were, they were always exposed to the cultural artifacts from the original Oshifazan, even Kazun. And so they decided, they held on to more of that cultural heritage and decided to na- rename their area of the split city into Zon after Oshifazan. 
Now, why did they separate like this? It's mostly because the people up in Piltover, the upper portion, is where most of the rich and powerful resided anyways. And they didn't want to live down in the grime and mining stuff anyway. So they were already in position to collect and condense their power base inside of Piltover. And so that's where how Piltover became the Piltover that you actually see in Arcane for the most part. Like the visuals we see, that is Piltover. Filled with steampunk-esque technologies, airships, all sorts of craziness. Now, meanwhile in Zon, we get more of that chemtech stuff that starts developing up. It takes a while just to really start going, but we do get like this more punk, this more punk aspect, um, like chempunk essentially, that starts developing down in Zon as time goes on and on. And it is important to know that while Piltover and Zon are sometimes colloquially known as the Twin City States, they're technically not separate city states. They are in fact just separate districts of the same city state of Piltover and Zon. Now, but because they're so culturally different now, it is not incorrect to call them Twin City States in that sense. It is important to recognize that they are separate districts, not separate cities, technically speaking. Now, after the formation of the canal, they then created what became known as the Sun Gates. Now, these Sun Gates are what we see in Arcane. We see the Hex Gates. Uh, the Sun Gates establish a very similar thing, but not from the same methods. In, in Arcane, the Hex Gates are these magical devices that shoot airships off to achieve long-range trade near instantaneously. In actual canon, though, we have the Sun Gates, which are basically just these massive gates that allow for easy travel from eastern to western Valorant or Shirima by having this canal. It basically, the Sun Gates are just the passageway that was created by the explosives being used to separate Pelto from Zon. Now, in Arcane, we kind of do see this river going through there, which you could argue is the canal, but it is shaped differently. And so it's a bit unclear, like, if, if that's supposed to be the Sun Gates and that the Hex Gates came later, or what's going on in that situation. But the important thing to know is, currently in canon, the Hex Gates aren't a thing, but we do have the Sun Gates also leaking back to their history as Oshifazan, a member of the Shreeman Empire. Now, before we start getting into the different societies that really developed in these Twin City States, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. traffic and weather. Well, looks like almost everyone's still dead, so traffic is at a standstill. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor, because they're totally not bribing me with massive amounts of chems or anything. Seems as the stuffed shirts are back at the White Springs playing games with that total loser modus. But hey, if that's your thing, whatever. So if all you squares wanted to hear more, totally, sort of, but maybe not boring stories about rebuilding Appalachia and being all goody-two-shoes, definitely not Raiders, check out this thing they call a podcast, The Modus Files, whatever that's supposed to be, on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever else you listen to those things. 
double ugh. They're not paying me enough for this. See you later. This is Rose. Raiders rule. If you want to help spread the show or simply get more content, you can follow the official Twitter at League of War 2 for updates on the podcast and other lore tidbits, as well as rate or follow the podcast uh, podcast on your podcatcher of choice. You can also follow my Twitch account, twitch.tv slash goldsoldiers, where I stream myself playing League of Legends and other po- games and discuss the lore and gameplay of those properties. And once again, I just want to give a big thank you to all the listeners and people who have downloaded the show. We The show has continued to grow on and on, and I'm so excited to cover this, this region that we're going to be covering. It's a lot to cover, lots of champions to go over, so I'm excited to talk about it. And let's just get right back into it. Now, the twin city-states of Piltover and Zaun, they have very different societies as I established earlier. The, ma- the big thing is how they're governed. Now, in Arcane, we see the city council in Piltover with the Chem Barons controlling uh, what would become Zaun, essentially, this proto-Zaun that we see. In the actual canon, though, there's not really this council that we think of, at least not not very clear. There, there probably is a council, but it hasn't been fully established. Instead, we just have these ruling clans, essentially, of Piltover. There are also houses, which are also powerful families, but they don't have the same level of power or size as the clans do. Now, some of these clans we actually or, or houses we actually hear of in Arcane. We, we actually hear of Pharos, we hear of Kiriman, we hear of Madarda, and we hear of House Talus. But how they work is a bit different in uh, the actual canon. The, the big differences is probably with, with Murdarda and Pharaohs. Kiriman is basically the same from what we see in Arcane, uh, being the, the clan that uh, Kaelin's from. But Pharaohs and Murdarda are very different uh, in the main canon. Pharaohs is actually the origin of Hex technology in the main canon, not Jace through House Talus and also through his alignment with the Madarda clan. No, and also the Kiramans. No, instead, the Pharaoh's people, the Pharaoh's clan, they're the ones that originally harvested the Hex Crystals, which in the main canon, Hex Crystals come from harvested uh, gemstones ripped from the bodies of crystalline creatures that exist in Shrima, uh, which is a Awful, awful process, and these uh, crystalline creatures are called the Brackern. And it's a horrendous process that they're doing this, because a lot of these Brackern are in a state of hibernation, but these hex crystals are essentially pieces of their soul. And as they're being ripped away from their bodies as they slumber, they are essentially still alive inside these crystals that are then being used to create these hex technologies. Now, it is important to note that there are synthetic hex crystals that are, have been created by uh, Clan Pharos, I believe. But it's also important to know that Clan Pharos is responsible for the harvesting of these crystals. And Clan Pharos is currently head by um, some member of the Pharos clan. I don't remember their exact name. Their name's not really important because the real leader, the real power behind Clan Pharos right now, is a character known as Camille who we will cover at a later date. Camille is, technically speaking, supposed to be the head assassin of the clan, because how that works in Piltover is the clans have 
the youngest sibling become basically their, their head intelligencer, the person responsible for gathering intelligence and making sure the clan's power base is never threatened. While the eldest sibling, uh, the eldest child of the clan, they're the ones that actually will lead the clan when the parents pass on, or pass on their power, essentially. So Ferris is one of the most powerful clans currently in all of Piltover because they are the literal ones responsible for the Hex Crystals and therefore the ability to create Hex technology or Hex tech. The Madarda clan, like I said, are a bit different from how we see them in, uh, in Arcane. But the big thing with the Mardardas, they're kind of a, their, their base of operations is around furthering the creation of technologies and advancing uh, research inside of Piltover. The Mardardas we don't learn a lot about. We do know their current head is, I can't, the, their name's not really important right now. The current, but the person who's going to become the head of Mardardas clan is a man named Jai, Jai, I believe. Uh, so not Mel, like we see in Arcane. It's not Mel, which is very interesting. I wonder if they'll ever address that. Uh, maybe it's because Mel. Maybe it's because Mel's gonna be dead in season two of Arcane. Who knows? But we'll just see if that character's ever brought up because he is supposed to become the next leader of the Mardada clan, but he uh prefers just having adventures. So we'll see where that goes. But outside of Piltover and these clans and houses, we have the Kembarons of Zaun. Now, we don't know many of the current Kembarons. We, we hear of a few of them, but most of them are very minor. But we do know of two big ones. One of which we learned about recently, and one of which we've known about for a while, and is also the rival of Caitlyn. This person is Karina Faraza. Now, she is this... Um, Ken Baron, who seems to be really into plant, uh, chemically enhanced plant life of some kind. She has these massive greenhouses, and she's also a crime lord, so she's all the time doing crazy things. And in the main canon, she's also the one responsible for the deaths of Caitlyn's parents, specifically her mother, I believe. And because of this, they have this whole dynamic going on where, where Caitlyn's all the time trying to arrest Karina Baraza, but uh, always being one step behind because Queen of Veraza is basically her Mor Moriarty. It's a, it's a very interesting dynamic those two have. Now, of course, in the Arcane, we have Silco and Rennie as two major, as two more prominent members of the Cambarons. We have a few others, obviously, like Finn, but Silco and Rennie, I view as the more possible additions to the main canon roster of Cambarons, as Silco being a previous Cambaron, obviously. I would really like to see his um, his whole story being brought in as one of the original men Cambarons of Zaun before he died due to the events of Arcane. And Rennie, we know, is still alive, and Rennie could even become a major villain of the next of the next season, because it is possible that Rennie is related to a character, a major figure in Zaun who's not Cambaron, but he is a rising figure amongst the criminal underground, which is Urgot. So we'll see where that goes, if Rennie's going to be involved in that or not, or if she's just going to be relegated to an arcane character. But the more recent addition, though, the more interesting Cambaron to me is Renata Glask. Renata Glask is basically, she is obsessed with essentially cosmetics, uh, cosmetic usages of the sh of Shimmer, essentially because Shimmer does exist. 
In the main Runeterran timeline, Shimmer is a, is a chemical that does exist, and Renata Glass does use it. To create these cosmetic these cosmetics, like perfumes and makeup and all sorts of other crazy stuff, but she is a crime lord, which is such an interesting dynamic of going along those lines, and she loves using the chemicals that are used for these comics as also as weapons. And she tries to basically create this power base inside of Zon, becoming this really major figure of power inside Zon as well, becoming one of the more powerful Kembarans that exist there. We know she has a lot of power just due to the fact that she is a Kembaran, and being a Kembaran requires you having a lot of power. But we know she's one of the more powerful ones, first off, because she's a champion. And second off, because... Her industry is so prominent. Like, the cosmetics industry, when you think about it, in, like, the real world, is a major, major industry and has a lot of influence throughout the world. We, we don't really think about it, but it is omnipresent. We see cosmetics everywhere. And Renata Glass being the head of the chemicals and the production of cosmetics in Piltover and Zon would give her a lot of power and a lot of money. And we really see that in her characterization and how she knows she has power and is really in charge of her, of her at least her sectors of Zon. And outside of the clans, the houses, and the chem barons, we have some pretty major cultural events, such as Progress Day and Piltover. Progress Day is essentially the major celebration of... In, in Arcane, it's the founding of Peltover, I believe, in the main canon. It's technically not necessarily the founding, but it could be related to the founding of, of Peltover. The, the big thing, though, is that Progress Day is where all the various inventors of both Zon and Peltover come together to show off their inventions and hopefully get taken on by one of the various clans or houses of Peltover. Uh, Medarda being one of the major figures of the clans. Uh, that are present there who might try to hire someone on. But through Progress Day, through a short story based around Progress Day, we actually learned about something very interesting. And that is that Piltover and Zahn are actually under threat by Noxus. Noxus is trying to maneuver its way into controlling Piltover and Zahn. Because whoever controls the Sun Gates, this major trade route, has so much economic and political power in the world as a whole. That's one of the main reasons Piltover and Zahn are a neutral uh, region in the world. They take no sides in any of the various wars that have taken place. They are fully neutral. And they are able to stay neutral because of their economic and political power due to their control of the Sun Gates. But if Noctis were ever to take over Piltover and Zahn they would now have that same economic and political power, and no one really wants that. So, not even Pilter and Zahn. Pilter and Zahn don't even want to be taken over by Noxus, and so they're doing their best to prevent these infiltrations by members of Noxus uh, through their vast spy network as they try to infiltrate through all the various clans and houses so they can both steal technologies from Piltover and Zahn and also eventually take over through some various means. Now, the main reason they don't take it over, militarily speaking, is because it would be one heck of a fight to take over Piltover Zon due to all their various technologies, as well as their own personal fleet. It, and also, like, every other major power in the world would uh, turn against Noxus and fight them off of Piltover Zon, because everyone wants them to stay neutral. So, we'll see where that storyline goes eventually, but that is the current state of Piltover and Zon, and their, and their background, and their major 
and their current society. It's it's really fascinating with this dynamic of the upper class up in Piltover and the lower classes being in Zon, but even in Zon, then having their own separate upper class in the in terms of the Chem Barons, these vastly powerful crime lords. It's a really interesting dynamic where the workers and the and the poor in Zon are trying to both overthrow the powerful elite in terms of the Kembarans and the powerful elite in Piltover so that they can have their own rights and free living that they don't have under both of these oppressive forces. And so it's very interesting where Piltover doesn't like to acknowledge that the Kembarans exist, essentially, but there seems to be this real active effort by some members of Piltover to keep the Kembarans in power, essentially, because it allows them to not have to worry as much about the rabble down in Zon. But some are trying to change that, such as Echo, such as Urgot in his own way, and even some new characters like Zeri. But we'll cover all these various new champions in Piltover and Zon, how they work to change the environment that they grew up in, or how they or how the their the environment they grew up in in the first place affected their character and who they are. But until then if you have any questions or thoughts, please them send them in your reviews on your podcatcher of choice or to loreofroomterra at gmail.com. You can also send them through the Discord channel, League of Lore, on, robots, on the Robots Radio Network Discord, and they'll be answered next episode. And next, speaking of next episode, we're going to be covering one of the founders of Piltover and one of the biggest figureheads in the entire region and a lovely little big-headed, big-haired fellow we see in Arcane. That's right, it's time to talk about our lovely little inventor, leader, professor, Heimerdinger. See you all then. Hi, welcome to Three Count Thoughts. Let me introduce the crew real quick. Hi. I'm Maverick Stone. I'm Romer. And I'm Jaxus. Join us as we talk all things wrestling. Each week, we'll take a topic from the wrestling world, knock it around a bit, and then go over the week in wrestling from a strictly fan perspective. We can be found on all major podcast catchers. We can also be found at 3 Count Thoughts on both YouTube and Twitter. Or you can send us an email using 3 Thoughts at gmail.com. Okay, are you ready? Ring the bell.